Father, I thank You so much that You are so good to us. Thank You for bringing Brother Kurt to us. And Lord, we just expect to receive from You all that You have for us tonight. And I ask You to even help us receive. Help us to uh, receive what You're bringing. And and we we believe that we're going to receive it. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Praise God. You know, um, I do want to talk to you a, a minute about partnership because I've had a different view of partnership in the last several years, um, in, in particular in probably the last year and a half. Uh, and it's kind of strange because, you know, I came up under Brother Copeland and Brother Copeland, um, he is very serious about his partners and the way he prays for them and stands with them. And, uh, you know, for years, I, I didn't really push partnership because I know that there is an impartation that takes place. And I knew what my weaknesses were. And I'll tell you, like I told my wife one time, I said, honey, take all of my strengths and none of my weaknesses. But I made this decision that when we, you start having partners, they're going to be a partaker of the grace that's on you. And I, w- I didn't want people receiving anything from me that would be detrimental to them and uh, especially since I really didn't want to the things I'm preaching to you over this last week is what started stoking the fire on the inside of me that to leave my own uh, what I thought were my own wants and desires what my ideas of things and say you know what the truth of the matter is is he loves me more than I love me and I want to know His will and I want to do His will because if He loves me that much and has already given that much for me, then why in the world would I hold back at all? Now, and I'll just say this, and I'm going to read this to you. It's in Philippians chapter 1. He's talking to his partners. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all joy. Let me just say this. We pray for our partners every morning. Uh, That's this church. Uh, That's if you're an individual partner. We pray for you all every morning. And we stand with you. And then after we pray in English, there's a regular, uh, several scriptures we pray. And then we pray in other tongues for probably a minimum about a half an hour. I've done it every day since I've been here. um, Because this is important. And it says this, it says, um, with all joy for your fellowship or partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you because I have you in my heart. And see, this is one thing that I've taken far more seriously than I ever have is, is that when we become partners, and, and like Pastor Sidney said, uh, um, I'm not going to try to hard sell you, but I do want you to enter into this with, if you decide to become a partner, specifically because you're moved by the Lord and, and with purpose. Because what's going to happen is you're going to be in my heart, and I'm going to be in your heart. And we will be joined together. And everything that I accomplish will be laid to your account. But on the other side of it, you will have a responsibility that if I come up to you, I get in messes. I'll just tell you. Um, as I go around the world and I do different things, it's not a confession, it's just an observation. <laughs> and I'm going to need people that will wake up and not blow off praying for me. 
the same way I will wake up and not blow off praying for you. But we will join, our hearts will be joined together. And um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about how this affected me. Uh, For years, and this is no surprise to Pastor Sid, uh, I didn't like being in the ministry. uh, Pretty much since before the first day. (laughs) And then uh, along the way, I kept trying to get out of it over and over and over again. And then there there were some reasons for it. But there became a day several years ago that I decided that I don't want to be in ministry, but I want to want to be in ministry. Do you understand what I mean by that? I understand that I have a weakness. And see, with me, because now I've taken partnership so seriously, I work on my weaknesses quite a bit. Because I only want you to receive all of my strengths and none of my weaknesses. And so I found, I found somebody that I knew loved being in ministry and loved people. And then I became a partner with them and I served them. And it was interesting because all of a sudden that began to wear off on me and there began to be changes in me. And the reason I'm telling you this is if you become a partner with this ministry, and honestly, I'm believing for this, for this church as well, I am today more sold out to Jesus than I've ever been before. I have been through lots of troubles, I've been through lots of changes, I've been through lots of attacks, but I now, I have gone from, I don't really want to do this, to with all of my being, Father, help me to do everything that you have called me to do, because I'm going to push the limits on this thing if at all possible. That if you need anybody anywhere at any time, sir, you can call on me, I'll go. If you've had trouble with that in your life and you become a partner, I'm going to believe that same change that took place in me will take place in you. But I'm also going to believe that that same change takes place in this church and every member that we realize that you are not here to sit on the sidelines to participate in the times that we live in. And if you become a partner with Curdle Ministries, you will become a part of my heart and we will become a part of yours, hopefully. Now... Uh, for those of you who decide to become partners, we'll pray over you. There's some things that we do for you to start off with. But for those of you who don't, I still want to make you aware that uh, we have a Facebook page and we have two YouTube channels. One is the Fight to Win TV YouTube channel and the other one is just the Curdle Ministries YouTube channel. Um, I ask you to go ahead and we are believing for 1,000 people on our YouTube channels because if we can, it'll allow us to, it gives us some advantages. But let me say this. And I want to be very, very clear about this. You need to listen to your pastor more than you ever listen to me. There's, lo- there's so many messages on there. But your pastor, I'm a general gift to the body of Christ, but your pastor is a specific love gift to you. So I want you to listen to all of our teachings. I want you to participate with us on Facebook and all that other stuff. But please never forget that you need to listen to your pastor more than you listen to me. And um, to that end, I do want to give this away. Um, uh, hearing from God is probably, obviously we've got a daily devotional about it. Um, it has become a key in my life because um, I've seen a lot of people who just don't. <laughs> and uh, the damage that it causes and how people get off. And, and since, <laughs> since eternal life is defined by that we might know Him, the one true living God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent... I became concerned that I would be saved my entire life and never once experience eternal life because I wouldn't know Him. 
that the only time that we would know each other is when we walked in and shook hands. And I also didn't want a business relationship with him where I just came in, I got my marching orders and I left. I, I wanted to have intimacy with him. I wanted to be able to hear from him about anything and everything. The problem was is that I needed, I, I, um, I didn't know how. I, I, I really didn't. And I'd have major decisions and I wasn't sure. You know, there's a lot of things covered in Scripture, but then there's a lot of things that aren't. You know, when I married my wife, I, there wasn't a book that I could turn to that said, In the fullness of days, Kurt shall take unto him a wife, and her name shall be called Terry, and they shall live happily ever after. And so I needed to know him personally so that I could get that information. And I needed to learn how to make decisions because I make major decisions on a regular basis that affect lives in different parts of the world. And I, I needed to know how to do this. So this message is, it goes along with the book, but this is practical application for you to be able to hear from God. First through His Word. And then, what does it mean that we are led by the Spirit of God? And how do you make a decision with that leading? This actually will help you with that. Uh, Patrick, you want to give that to somebody that looks like they can't hear from God? So, um, now tonight I want to remind you. At, at the end of the service. That the power of God is going to be in operation to change your life forever. Whatever miracle it might happen. Whatever miracle you might happen to need. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter the extent. It doesn't matter whether it's here tonight or somewhere else. The power of God will be here. Will flow from this place to you and, and throughout wherever it needs to go. To change your life forever. But you have to cooperate with me and begin to expect it. Amen? Do you expect it? Yeah. Alright. Go with me. I want to talk to you about something. I've got four messages I have to preach tonight in um, the time that I have left. And so, uh, we'll see how it goes. Go with me to Isaiah for just a moment, 54. Let me say again how grateful I am to be here. There's a lot of churches, honestly, um, that I cannot, that are not, okay, this is... Well, it doesn't matter. Um, I'd say it to their face anyway. They're not taught well enough for me to get certain places in a service. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I can only go so far. And you all have uh, really allowed me to say some things and get to some places. That a lot of times I, it takes me a couple years of going back and back and back to get to. So that's a credit to your pastors. And uh, I would make it a, a, a commitment of mine to make sure that you participate as much as you can in church. Um, especially since we are, uh, um, as, as the times that we live in, they are not uncertain. They are completely certain because we have a king and his word is true. I'll also invite you to do this with everything that's going on in the earth today. Don't sit and just watch it on television. Participate in it. You have authority. You can sit and lift, and lift your mouth and say, Father, I thank you that there is nothing hidden that shall not be revealed, nor secret that shall not be made known. Don't sit and act like there's, you're powerless as though you just must, must watch this happen. You are the body of Christ. You are Jesus' ambassadors in the earth. Your prayer life at the base level was supposed to alter the course of a nation by altering the weather, is what James says. That's you. Don't sit there and act like you're powerless. The devil would love to convince you that it's true, but you are not. Now here, let's go to Isaiah 54, and we're going to look at um, this. We've been talking about the love of God and the goodness of God, and since I had to preach four messages, I can't cover a whole lot of ground. But we've established that God loves you. We've established how much He loves you, just as much as He does Jesus. 
we've established that, and if you didn't hear that and you, you have trouble believing that, go back and listen to last night over and over, um, that even if you mess up, that he will help you. But I want, to, I want you to see something that's a motivation for the Lord. And uh, let's talk uh, in verse 7, 54, 7. It says, For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment. Most biblical scholars seem to agree that that was when the earth turned dark at Jesus' crucifixion. And then it says this, But with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you says the Lord your Redeemer. For this is like the waters of Noah to me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. That kind of um, flies in the face of religion, doesn't it? That I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. Now notice this, for the mountains shall depart and the hills shall be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Now, I, I, as I travel around here, you all have something we don't have much of in Florida. You have hills, right? We're flatlanders. Pastor Sidney, when's the last time you were in Colorado? Okay, when you were out there, were there still mountains out there? They still there? So, so he says that it would take mountains to be removed, hills to be removed. That would happen before his kindness would depart from you. That he actually wants to be kind to you. It doesn't say I'm looking forward to the day I get to judge you and bring up every mistake you've ever made. He says, no. I'm looking to be kind to you. That is my desire to be kind. Do you see him that way? Do you see him as the Lord of kindness that every morning when you wake up, even if you've made mistakes, he's not going to be wroth with you nor rebuke you for the mountains have not departed and the hills have not been removed. And that would have to happen first before my Lord would remove his kindness from me. That he desires and wants to be kind to me. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, we started here last night, we started looking at it, but verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, even when we had nothing to offer, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now notice this. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now notice here, one of the ways that God demonstrates his grace is through his kindness. Right? So a lot of times we talk about the grace of God, but understand that God d demonstrates His grace through His kindness. Now notice here that this is, this is a perpetual thing, that in the ages to come. 
Now, how many of you know if that's his will then, since he doesn't change, that's his will now to be kind? In fact, that's what Isaiah is talking about, that while we're here, that, the, that his kindness shall not depart from us. But this is not going to be something that ends here. You know, a lot of times we don't think about this. The, your first day in heaven is going to be your worst day in heaven. Because tomorrow, you're, after, after your first day, I don't know, I don't know that we sleep, but then when the next day rolls around, you're going to be thinking, wow, yesterday was amazing. Did you see the kindness of God? Did you see the love of God? And then the next day, you're going to get up and go, my goodness, I didn't think that it could get better than yesterday, but it did. It did. And then the next day, you'll get up and say, my goodness, it is so much better than the first two days. Now, now see, this is where, you know, it's funny. My wife and I, we, we have a testimony that people sometimes just don't understand. And when I say this, you'll probably get a picture of it. You know, the, the day, you know, people say, you know, the day we got married was the best day of my life. Right? I have to be honest. The day we got married was the worst day of our marriage. It was awesome. I got to go home with the woman of my dreams. I got to live in a life that was never severed. But it was the worst day of our marriage. Because it has steadily improved. It has gotten better and better and better and better. It was awesome. I was so thrilled when, I was thr- thrilled when, um, when we got married. But I am more thrilled today that we are married. You know, that's the way your relationship with the Lord is supposed to be. That the first day you met Him wasn't the best day of the relationship. That it was supposed to grow and grow. Why? Because you get to know Him more intimately every day. You get to see how awesome He is. You get to see His love in action in your life. You get to see His kindness poured out for you. Not just now, but He's looking forward towards doing it forever. Now, I get it because I'm not getting very big men's because you're, you're looking at me like, well, that, that sounds awesome. You know, that's hallelujah. <laughs> yes, that's good. Because to be honest with you, a lot of times when we start talking about the kindness of God, it's, um, it's hard to grasp. You don't even know what to picture, right? You know, it'd be great if we had an illustration of God's kindness, wouldn't it? That we could really sink our teeth into and really kind of see it and imagine it. Wouldn't that be great? Yes or no? Yeah, well, good, good news. We do have one. Go with me to uh, 2 Samuel. Chapter 9. Now, let me give you a little bit of groundwork here. David had a best friend. And they were brothers. They became like brothers, and his name was Jonathan. Jonathan was an awesome man. Honestly, he would have made a great king. He he really wasn't. He wasn't a coward. He was he he uh, he loved God. He would follow God even if it meant going against his own family. Man, he was he was awesome. He was awesome. And uh, but they became friends because uh, they were kind of birds of a feather, right? Since the day that. Uh, David ran down and killed Goliath, and Jonathan said, that's, yeah, yeah. That's kind of that way when I met Pastor Sidney. Yeah, we can, yeah, we're birds of a feather. We can flock together. And then we can, uh, 
And they, they began this, this relationship and, John, and Jonathan said, you know, God has given this kingdom into your hands and you will be king and my father will not be. And I'm going to support you and I'm going to stand there with you because that's the will of God. But unfortunately what happened was, and they cut a covenant, but unfortunately what happened was is that uh, he followed too closely to his daddy and his daddy got him killed. Saul. Now, at this point in the story, in my opinion, David is the most powerful ruler on the face of the earth. And people say, well, how can you say that? Well, because he has a covenant with God. He understands his covenant with God. Plus, he's got some boys that just one of them can wipe out a couple hundred. So, um, he, he doesn't take nothing off nobody. You don't come into David. If you come in talking smack to David, even if you're a prophet, his boys will pull the sword and say, you want me to take him out because they're standing with him. No, that's what he had to tell him. He says, no, no, leave him alone. Leave him alone, right? So he's, he is this powerful king. Nobody can make David do anything. Nobody. But yet he's sitting in the throne room after he's consolidated the kingdom. And he begins to think about Jonathan, whom he loved and who he made an agreement with. And though nobody can make do any, David do anything, his heart is pouring out to, to show love, loyalty, and kindness to Jonathan. And so David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul, that I might show kindness, him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Notice he's searching. This is not somebody walking into the throne room demanding the covenant be kept. This is a man hunting for a way to keep the covenant. I want to do this. I want to find a way to do this. I, I, it's not, I, nobody's walked in here demanding kindness. No, no, you, you misunderstand. I'm trying to find a way. I want to find somebody that I can show kindness to. It burns within me to get out there and do good to somebody. Can somebody find me somebody that I can show this kindness to? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul? Now notice this. To whom I may show the kindness of God. What is he saying? I want to show somebody kindness the way I learned kindness from God. That I learned how to be kind from God. And I'm looking for someone that I can show this kindness to. So what we're about to see is not the kindness of a man to another man. This is a man after God. Where what we're about to see is a man after God's own heart. Showing what the kindness of God looks like. In other words, we can put some meat on the bones rather than an all just sitting here going, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have God show kindness? No, we'll actually be able to see. This is what the kindness of God looks like. This is what I should look for in my everyday life. 
this sort of kindness. So, is there anyone that I might show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame at his feet. And the king said, Where is he? And Ziba said, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amel in Lodabar. Let's just stop there. What has Ziba just said? This Ziba has just said, This boy can do nothing for you. In a society that, uh, that prizes strength, that prizes ability, that in, in a kingdom that prizes warriors, with a warrior king, he's just said, Yes, there is somebody, but he can do nothing for you. He is lame at his feet. Now, I also want to, we need to, to talk about this. This, for most kings, would be dangerous to do. Because it was the habit of kings, in fact, this is the reason that Mephibosheth is, is lame. It was the habit of kings when they consolidated power that they killed all of the previous king's family. They wiped them out so that no one could ever make a claim to the throne. They killed them. They did not bring them to the throne room where there might be loyalists, where there might be people that might say, well, you know, David shouldn't really be on the throne. It should be Mephibosheth that should be on the throne. But David isn't afraid of any of that. Because David, by his testimony to McCall, was, the people didn't make me king. God made me king. That was what Saul didn't understand. It's not the people that made me king. It was God that made me king. Therefore, I live for the opinion of one. So I don't have to be afraid of anybody or anything. Because what God has given me, no man can take from me. So he says, yep, he's in Lodabar. Now let's talk about Mephibosheth for just a second. At five years old, David, uh, Jonathan and Saul are killed. And they know, or at least they suspect, that David will come hunting the last surviving heir in order to execute him. So they grab him up in haste because they're afraid and they're going to go hide him. But in the middle of this, he is dropped and he becomes lame. Now this is much later in the story. By this time, Mephibosheth actually has a son of his own. That we're going to hear about in a little bit. But I want you to ask you a question. What do you think, how do you think Mephibosheth views David? He's sitting there. He is terrified of this king. He's been told from the very beginning, the reason you were lame was we had to keep David from killing you. And in our haste to get you out of there, we dropped you. It's really David's fault that you were lame. David sits upon your throne. He shouldn't even be there. He's an usurper. And you're in this place because of this, this king who is, who is uh, taking over your family's right. What do you think? You think... You ever known anybody to get bitter over something like that? You know, he might even be down in Lodabar trying to figure out if he can find enough loyalists to his dad, or excuse me, to his grandfather, could he make a run on the throne? There's no telling what he's doing down there. 
But we do know that he's afraid. Why? Because he's in hiding. We know that for his entire life he's been told this thing about the king. The king is not a nice person. The king is not a good person. You need to stay as far away from the throne room as you possibly can. Because if you get close, he will kill you. He is the reason you have this life that you have. It's his fault. So, uh, this is interesting how it says this. Next uh, verse, it says, um, Then King David sent and brought him out. I think uh, King James says, fetched him out of the house of Mature, the son of Amel, from Lodabar. This is an interesting word. It means that he, they seized him. It means that there was force involved. So, you're sitting there, and you're Mephibosheth. And, um, you know, David doesn't really do anything halfway. Have you ever noticed that? Like when he's going to bring the ark in, it's not like, you know, we'll, we'll do it. No, it's no, we're going to go out, we're going to dance. We're going to have a festival. We're going to give gifts to everybody, right? So you think about when he goes and gets this man, what was that like? Did he just send, did he just send one guy down there? Or this, this gives the indication troops were involved. So you're sitting in there and you're Mephibosheth and you hear, and all of a sudden, the house is surrounding. People are looking out the doors and said, it's the king's army. He's found me. Since I was five years old, he's wanted to kill me. I'm lame because of this guy, and he's finally found me. My life is over. Judgment has come. And then you hear one of the mighty men shout at the house. Ladies and gentlemen, by order of King David, we are here for Mephibosheth. Option A, you give us Mephibosheth. Option B, we make you give us Mephibosheth. One way or another, we're leaving here with Mephibosheth. So they grab him. And so now he's on his way back. I don't know how far this is. But it doesn't matter if it was just down the block. This is going to be a long block. Because you are going to face judgment. You are going to your end. Everything you've been afraid of your entire life, everybody, everything that everybody's ever told you is about to come to pass. Verse 6. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated him. Prostrated himself. Why is he doing this? Why is he laying down? It's not because he's lame. He's trying to save his life. He's laying face down in front of the most powerful leader on the face of the earth. And he wants to save his own life. David says to him, Mephibosheth? And he answered and said, here is your servant. And so David notices he's afraid. So what does he tell him? <laughs> he's come here to face judgment. He's come here to face death. He's come here to face this man he's been told all his life that he wants him dead. David says, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And now I'm going to restore you, not just the land of your father, I'm going to restore you the land of your grandfather. It will be as though you won't have lost anything. 
And then, I want you to know that you are welcome to eat with me always. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid you're going to take my kingdom. I've been looking for you because I wish to do good to you. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second. Now, this is, this is huge, isn't it? I mean, it's not just the daddy's land. It's the granddaddy's land. Plus, you don't even have to worry about what the land produces because you're going to eat with the king. Right? How much money do you think David spent to go get this man to bring him to the place that, just to bless him? He risked, he risked men. He risked lives. He was willing to do anything. Go get that boy. Bring him back here. He spent money to get him to the place that he could give to him. Spared no expense to go get the boy, bring him out of that place, and bring him here. Just to do what? Just to give. Just to bless. But see, that's not all. Because so, what happens next? Mephibosheth says, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Here's something he doesn't get yet. <laughs> this isn't about him. This is about how David saw Jonathan. This is about the relationship they had. But anyway, let's, let's go on. He said, um, he said, what do you look upon such a dead dog as I? The king called Ziba, uh, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belongs to Saul, and to all of his house, you therefore, you and your sons, you and your servants shall work the land for him. And you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba was doing pretty good. He had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servants, so will your servant do. Now stop there for just a second. This is a little foreign to us, so I just want to make it, kind of break it down to you, right? Anybody know who uh, Warren Buffett is? Anybody not know who what Warren Buffett is? If you don't know who, what about Bill Gates? Everybody know who Bill Gates is, right? Finger of Microsoft. I want you to picture it like this. You've had everything taken from you, and then one day a limo and a security detail shows up outside your house. And they say, uh, excuse me, uh, are you Jonathan's son? What? Well, yes, I am. All right, um, Mr. Gates would like to see you today, right now. We've got a jet at the airport. We're going to take you in this limo to the airport, and we're going to take you to see Mr. Gates. So you pull up to Mr. Gates' house. It is a sprawling place. Man, it's huge. You see all of the man's servants and everything, and everybody's treating you with dignity. And, and you walk in, and you're thinking, wow. Bill walks over to you and says, uh, hey, are you Mephibosheth, Jonathan's boy? Yes, sir, I am. I want you to know I love your daddy. He was always good to me. This is what I'm going to do. Um, you know, he was such a blessing to me. I, I'm going to take $3 billion and I'm going to put it into an account for you and your family. But, you know... I don't want you to ever have to touch that money. So what I'd like you to do is, you notice i got a pretty big house. I'd like you to move in here, and I'm going to take care of all of your expenses for you and your family until the day you die. Now, in just a minute, I'm going to bring in here one of my accountants, 
who helps shepherd my money, who, who keeps, grows it. And uh, I'm going to have him look after your money for you because, you know, money can be difficult and stuff, and I don't want you messing with that. So I'm going to have you bring in one of the accountants who actually knows his business. And so he's going to grow your money, but you're really never going to have to touch your money because I'm going to take care of you. Everybody getting a picture. So you're sitting there thinking, what in the world just happened? I thought you were this evil guy who stole from my daddy, and yet you are completely and absolutely restoring me. Then it says this, it gets even more intimate. It says, um, as for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat bread at my table like one of my sons. You have a new daddy. You are still a member of the royal family. And you will be treated as such. And I will treat you like you were born to me. Now I want to back up here for just a second. Because there's something in this. That I didn't hit on. Because I wanted you to see the rest of this till now. When Mephibosheth walks in. And he lays himself prostrate. And David looks down and said. Are you Mephibosheth? That's not actually the question he's asking. He's asking, are you Mephibosheth? Because he's been told the son of Jonathan's name is Mephibosheth. Right? That's, what he want, that's ultimately what he wants to know. Are you Jonathan's son? Is that not right? Everything that just happened, every blessing he just received, all of the restoration, all of the provision... There was only one qualification. Are you His? Do you belong to Him? I don't need to know if you were plotting against me. I don't need to know what you were doing out there. I, need, I have one question. Are you His? If you are His, all of this is yours. If you are His, everything here belongs to you. I don't, need to know, I don't need to know your track record. I don't need to know whether you've been good or bad. I don't know, need to know whether you like me or you don't like me. I just need to know one question. Are you His? And if the answer is yes, then all of this is yours. Freely. Freely. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is answer one question. Are you his. So you were sitting in Lodabar. You were without hope and without God in the world. And your father looked and said, no matter the price, I want you to go fetch them. I want you to go get them. And I'm going to restore to them everything that their granddaddy lost. And then they're going to come sit at our table with us. And see, when you're trying to, you're, you know, a lot of things happen. You need a miracle. You need healing. People try to go through a bunch of different stuff. But really, to get a seat at the table, there's only one question to be answered. Are you His? Don't let the devil complicate it for you. Don't let him bring up what you haven't done or have done and whatever else happened. Let it be simple. No. I'm His. 
I belong to Jesus. I'm his. Therefore, I, I lay hold of all of the restoration. I lay hold of all of the provision. I lay hold of my place at my father's table. Because I can answer the question. I belong to him. I'm his. That's all it took. That's all he wanted to know. And David said, this is the kindness of God. This is the way God treated me and this is the way I will treat you. Come on in here. If you can answer the one question, everything, everything belongs to you. That's all he wants to know from you. If you're having trouble in your body, he's not wanting to know what your track record is or what your scorecard is. He just got one question. Are you his? And if the answer is yes, restoration, full and complete, belongs to you. It's yours. This is how much he loves you and this is the way he wants to treat you throughout all of eternity. This is the way that he wants to treat you, that the mountains shall be, the mountains shall depart and the hills shall be removed. But I want to treat you like this forever. I want to love like you like this today and for all eternity. This is the kindness of God. This is what it looks like. You know, he said, what, are, what am I such a dead dog as I? Here's the thing. This isn't a you story. This is a Jesus story. This is about what Jesus has done. And that's the only thing that matters is are you His? Let me ask you a question. Are you His? I got two that are. Are you His? Yes. Well then this all belongs to you. This kindness from God is yours. Notice he didn't withhold anything back. He didn't say you can have Jonathan's land but not your grandfather's land. And not only that, you know, here's another way to put it. Ziba the one who helps administer the inheritance. I can see the Holy Spirit in there. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach you how to walk in your inheritance. He's going to teach you how to walk this thing out. Now, it's not a perfect example because Ziba ends up doing some stuff later. But in this portion, that's what David's point is. Is I'm going to give you all this, but you're going to need help. Guess what? I'm going to give you help. Jesus left you help. He didn't leave you. I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to know. And the only thing you have to answer is, are you His? Now, before I minister to you, I want to I talk about this where the love of God is concerned. Go with me to um, John 20. Are y'all getting anything out of this tonight? Sure. See, you know at 2 o'clock in the morning when the pain hits you or the bills hit you or whatever, the devil tries to get you to jump through a bunch of hoops. You need to stand up and say, you know what? Only one thing matters. I belong to Him. And if I need to repent, I'll repent. But that's between me and my Lord, not between me and you. I belong to Him. This is in John 20, in verse 2. I'm in it. I wish I could get to this Bible. Hold on. My wife gave this to me a short time before I left, and I still haven't. In John 20, in, in verse 2. It says that now on the first day of the week, or we're in verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. 
And then, well, in verse 2 it says, Then she came and ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, five times in Scripture, John defines himself as I am the disciple that Jesus loves. Now, what's funny is, is that the other guys realized it too. Go with me to 13, John 13. Verse 23, it says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him, said, Ask who it was of whom he spoke. Talking about who was going to betray him. See, John, it, it wasn't that Jesus didn't offer love to all of them, but John received it. Remember how we started this? We have known and believed the love that God, God has for us. Well, see, John knew and believed the love that Jesus had for him. He's laying on his chest. Peter and the rest of the guys are still trying to find their footing, but John is sitting there saying, I'm loved. There's not going to be any separation from me. I'll just sit right down there with him. I'll lay my head on his chest. No, I'm, I'm loved. I'm loved. And when he starts defining himself five times in the Gospel of John, he says, the disciple whom Jesus loved. This is where you have to go. I am the disciple that Jesus loves. This becomes your very identity. He's in love with me. He wants to help me. I also find it interesting that John was the one they couldn't kill. (laughs) No, I'm loved. Throw me in oil. I'm loved. (laughs) Exile me to an island. No problem. I'll write the book of Revelation. I'm loved. I'm loved. You can't know. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. I'm the disciple. Listen, he, you know, he ran off just like everybody else did when the soldiers came. He was the first to be there at the foot of the cross. He received things that other people didn't receive. What well, One, he received answers other people didn't receive. It wasn't because the other people couldn't get answers. It's because his love, him receiving Jesus' love, believing Jesus' love, empowered him to ask questions others were afraid to ask. See, he was, it's just, God has been lied about just like David was lied about. That God is your problem. That God is the reason you're in this mess. And dear God, don't ever go to the throne room because you never know what's going to happen if you end up in there. And yet it was all a lie. It was all a deception. David was the man that was sold out to Mephibosheth's good. He was sold out to bless him. He was sold out to help him. And that is the same line that's been told about our Lord. You do not have to run from Him. You should run to Him. Run into the throne room. Even if you've messed up. Come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Which means you did something stupid. And find help in a time of need. Why? Because He's in love with you. He wants to help you. Well, you made a mistake. Yes, I did. Why do you think God will help you? Because He loves me. And I love him and I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, but you just did it 10 minutes ago. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's 10 minutes ago. It doesn't matter if it's 10 seconds ago. I repented. He's not holding anything against me. I can run right in there right now. I'm going to get the best robe. I'm going to get the best ring. God is not going to withhold from me. He's in love with me. I see myself through his love for me. 
Not what you say, not what other people say, not what my head tries to tell me, but the fact that I am the disciple that Jesus loves. I am loved of Almighty God. And my God wants to be kind to me forever and ever. And He only has one question He wants to ask. Are you mine? Yes, sir, I am. Then all of this is yours. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. Your very identity. Forget about yesterday. Forget about the mistakes. The best thing about our covenant is if you're lame at your feet, now you can get up and walk. This belongs to you. God is in love with you. He wants to help you. He wants this kindness we just saw. He wants to show to everybody. But you need to make a decision. Are you going to be Peter or are you going to be John? Uh, Pastor, could you, could, you, could you talk to the Lord for me? I want to show you something. Go with me to John 16. Man, I'm, run, I'm out of time, but give me, if you'll give me just a minute. John 16. We're going to be in verse uh, 23. He's talking about after he's raised from the dead. But he says this, in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. That's an awesome promise, isn't it? Need to spend time meditating on it. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Notice what it keeps on saying. These things I've spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I do not say that I shall pray the Father for you. Why? For the Father himself loves you because you loved me. What's he saying? Hey, don't be crying out to me trying to get me to go to him. He wants to talk to you. Now, I'm going to be praying for you because I've ever lived to make your intercession for you. But you need to talk to the Father in my name. He, guess what? He wants to talk to you. Why? Because he loves you. See, I don't, I don't want Pastor Sid to go in there and do the praying for me. I want to go in and talk to my father. I need to get to the place that my father loves me just the way he loves Pastor Sid. That I can go in there. Jesus is exhorting you. I do not say that I shall pray the Father for you. I'm telling you he wants to talk to you. Because he's in love with you. Listen, I believe in us praying for one another. I believe in us praying with one another. But you need to start talking to your father because he's in love with you and wants to talk to you. He's in love. This was exciting to him. You know what? We're going to get to remove every barrier. I'm going to be able to pull them near. Not because they got it right, but because when the blood gets poured out, they will be brought near by the blood of Jesus. Those who were once afar off have been brought near. Not by what you did. Well, I, yeah, but you don't understand I've made some mistakes. It wasn't what you did that brought you close. It was his blood. But he wants to talk to you. Don't turn your prayer life over to other people. He's in love with you. You need to begin to identify. I am the disciple that Jesus loves and he wants to talk to me. Not, he doesn't have to talk to me. The Lord Jesus himself is saying, get in there and talk to him. Because he loves you. Talk to him. Fellowship with him. He's in love with you. Remember, eternal life is about relationship. Now, and again, let me say this. Forget about yesterday. Things didn't work out. Things went wrong. You made mistakes. 
Get up and go again. He's in love with you. He's going to help you. He's going to restore you. He's going to put you in the place that He has placed in your heart. You need, But you've got to become convinced of His love. When you become convinced of His love, what happens? You, are, get, you take the limits off of Him. You no longer tell Him, no, you can't be that good. No, I don't deserve that. It's like, it doesn't matter whether I deserve it or not. He's in love. He can't help Himself. He just wants to do good. Amen. All He wants to know from me is, am I His? People say, well, yes, but, but what about you know, sin? Well, here's the thing. We've talked about how much God loves you. When you sin, that's about how much you love God. See, we've got it completely backwards. Do you know, and I don't have time to get in, what time is it? I don't have time to get into this, but let me say this. People have it completely reversed in life for the majority of part. You want to know why? Because they are completely convinced that they love God, but unconvinced that He loves them. And yet the scripture says plainly, if you read a little further over in 1 John, you're only able to love him because he first loved you. Your love speaks of his love because you, are, you in and of yourself were not powerful enough to love him first. He loved you first. If you think you love him, you, I say it this way, if you're ever going to doubt anything, you need to doubt your love for God. You should never doubt his love for you because his love came first. Yes. You're, when, every time, well, yes, but you've got to understand I love God. Then that is crying out how much he loves you because he loved you first. If you're ever going to doubt anything, doubt your love for God. Never doubt his love for you. He's shown his commitment. And see, people think, well, yes, but you understand I've sinned. When you sin, God doesn't quit loving you. God's love is not in question. It's yours that is. What did you love more than Him that made you yield to that? But He doesn't stop loving. Why? Because He's in love. You need to learn to be exactly the way John did, that I become identified, not by my mistakes, not by my victories, not by anything I have done. My life is defined by Him who loves me. My life is divide, de, defined by Him who gave Himself for me. My life is defined by, can I ans- answer the question, am I His? I belong to Him. Now if you're not in this place, Pastor Sid will give you an opportunity to receive him. It's not difficult. He didn't make it like you had to climb Mount Everest in order to receive him. He wanted it simple because he wanted you. Everything that I've taught, you need to go back over because everything in the world tries to steal. When your past comes up, it tries to steal the revelation of the love of God. I've seen too many saints of old that have lived for God their entire life and on their deathbed, they're concerned about the conversation. They're afraid. Instead, we need, the further we go on in life, the more convinced we ought to become of God's love. And if that's not you, then start today. Forget about where you made me say, yeah, but I did some things wrong. You don't own a time machine. Anybody in here own a time machine? Anybody? Anybody? Well, then there's no sense thinking about yesterday. All you need to think about is right now and where you're going today. No matter what mistakes you've made, God still loves you. No matter what things you've done, God still loves you. Get up and go again.
get up and go again. He's in love with you. In fact, these miracles that are about to happen, I just need to be clear, I'm not the one that's doing them. It's Him that's in love with you. He wants to do it. He is, he, he, he's in love. He wants better for you than you could ever possibly imagine. This is the reason you want to know God's will for your life. Because His will for you is, His whole purpose is to show you kindness. And you doing His will will show, have the kindness show up. Did y'all get something out of this? Yes. Has this helped you? Yes. Will you do something with it? Yes. Let me explain something to you. One thing about the love of God. If you will get a revelation of this, you will never bow your head to anyone. Anyone. I don't have to worry about what you think about me anymore. Because my love bucket is full. You like me? Great. You don't like me? That's alright. Somebody far greater than you thinks I'm awesome. I'm, fr I'm, I'm free to be me. I'm free to stand up for the Lord. Well, what if I get rejected? It doesn't matter whether you reject me. Somebody far greater than you invited me into the throne room to sit at the king's table. I don't owe you anything. I owe him everything. He's in love with me. Yeah, but people are going to think you're weird. It won't matter. Because the king of all things is in love with me and likes to do stuff for me. What do I care what you think? See, it's freedom. It's freedom. Knowing he is absolutely in love with you and nobody can take it from you. When people say harsh words to you, so, you don't know more than him. He knows more than you and he thinks I'm awesome. Even when I make mistakes, he still pulls me close and tells me he loves me. Tells me i got to get this straightened out. But he still loves me. See, he's in love. Now I want to just take a minute. John's going to come and we're going to worship. I just want you to thank God and I just want you to let him love on you and you love on him. I think I know how I'm supposed to do miracles tonight. But if I, if I, if I had to switch it up, I will. But we're just going to worship and listen. I don't have to touch you because miracles are a love gift between you and Him. Besides that, I like it when I don't have to touch you. That way you can never say I had anything to do with it. It was just Him loving on you. Now, if you've struggled with things, let His love empower you to know that I, the only question I have to ask in order to receive help is one thing. Am I His? So tell Him, I'm yours. I'm yours, Lord. Lord, we just worship you and we praise you. You can stand, you can sit, whatever you want to do, whatever. I don't want you, I just want you to spend time with Him. Realizing He loves you like this. Whenever you're ready, brother.
how you love me. He's about to amaze you with miracles. Just let, let him love you. Thank you. Amazed by you. Lord, I'm amazed by you. say to the Lord what it is that you desire as a miracle doesn't matter what it is um, I thought initially that this miracle working anointing was for healing but it works really in anything from what we've observed around the world and this is this is yours as a love gift from your Lord to you whatever it is spirit soul body financially or socially lay hold of that miracle working power right now I'm about to release it here in just a moment and when I say in the name of Jesus receive your miracle you see it as done you see it as your Lord pouring out power that undoes things power that creates things power that changes things every cell in your body situations and families this is, you don't have to do anything. This is a free love gift to you. Now I will say this, because I know Pastor Sid's been teaching on healing. Especially where the, when you receive your miracle of healing tonight, don't just blow off the rest of the services where he's teaching. He's going to teach you how to walk in it so that you never need a miracle again. To walk in divine health. This is to get you started. Sing hallelujah, 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 please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I've told them everything that I believe you wanted me to tell them. And Lord, before we do these miracles, I want everybody here to know that you could do this without me, but I cannot do it without you. That you could turn to someone else. And I have no one else to turn to. I want you to know, for those of you who sense this presence, this is not the presence of God. This is the power of God here to change everything for you. He's been present the entire service. He's done this so you can know that you're mine and all that I have is yours. In the name of Jesus, I release this miracle working power into you, into your lives, into your bodies, into this church. Affecting a change even now. Pain going. There's a straightening in the body. Yeah, there's some financial calamities being undone. My Lord. Yeah. Yeah, there's some people that had tumors and stuff. They're just evaporating. There's some people that need new body parts. They're just being recreated cell by cell. For no other reason than that He's in love with you. I say perfectly functioning body parts in this place. I say children returning home. I say wisdom for decisions, miraculous knowledge in the name of Jesus. My, oh my. My, oh my. My God, how good you are. How good you are. Lord, that you would love us and release such miraculous working power to effect a change in the name of Jesus. Strength. Strength. Spirit, soul, and body. And strength. Strength. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Lord. We would just worship You. person is here or they're going to listen to this message later but if you have a pain in the, this part of your body right here just right there 
If you're in here, I want to lay hands on you. But if you're on tape, I'm going to release the power of God. God knew you were going to lit not tape, but uh, God knew you were going to listen. But if that's you and you've got a pain right here, if this is not you, don't come, right? I only want somebody with a pain right here. Is that somebody in here? All right. If not, I'm going to minister to the person that's going to be listening. Is that you, ma'am? And I still think there's going to be somebody listening later as well. So when I minister this, realize it's working in you as well. In the name. Now, you've got to realize he only called this out because he loves you. And he wants to do this. This is awesome, right? In the name of Jesus, I command this pain to go both in her and anybody listening to me. I command the origination of the pain to be completely removed and that her body is right now completely restored, pain-free in Jesus' name. Do not ever trouble her again. And the same goes with anybody within the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name. That's His love gift to you. That's awesome, isn't it? Isn't Jesus wonderful? He's just awesome. I have tremendously enjoyed being here with you. Um, my life is better for having known your pastors. And so if I, if I lived in this area, this would be the church I would come to. Because I respect how he holds to the word, both of them. I respect their walk of faith. That they do not just tell you, but live it themselves. If that wasn't true, I just would omit it. I, I would, probably wouldn't tell you that they didn't, but I wouldn't tell you that they did if they didn't. I love you guys very, very much. I hope to see you again soon. I am going to ask you to do one thing for me. If you receive something from this conference, um, we would li- or if you, you can tell that there's a physical difference in your body, Patrick's going to be at the book table. We'd just like a one or two minute testimony because our partners make it possible and we want to share with them what their partnership has done. But we also want to use your story to inspire people all over the world. And it's important that you tell it. And because you need to testify of exactly how good your Jesus is. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for coming out. And I believe that today that miracles are working even in our nation. Because Jesus is Lord over the United States of America. Pastor. I want you to stand with me.
Father. Thank you, Father. Who can say thank you, Father? Oh, we exalt you. You are awesome. Father, I thank you for the gifts. Thank you for your kindness and for your love. Thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. Thank you for the miracles. And by your Spirit, Father, seal these things in us. Lord, by your Spirit, bring them back to our remembrance in the moment that we need to remember it. And I thank you, Father, for the victory you've established and that all your promises are yes and we together say amen to those promises. Well, one way that we love God is by giving what he has given to us and we love on each other. So be sure to do that. Ask each other, is there anything you need? Is there anything I can do for you? All right, not something that we just say at the end of the service, but something we actually do. All right, be blessed. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Church of the Word International here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So happy to see each and every one of you here tonight. It's been a great week, hasn't it? Amen. Have you learned a lot? Good revelation, good truth. I'd like to encourage you tonight in your worship from Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though a host should encamp around and about me, my heart shall not fear. The war shall rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing that I have desired of the Lord and will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he'll hide me. He shall set me on a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies, around and about me. Therefore, I will offer in this tabernacle, in this temple, the Holy Spirit, sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. That's using your will. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices with the song, I will praise him. Well, let's stand up together as family, family in the family of God, and let's thank our Father for His goodness, His mercy, His grace. It's everlasting. And for Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.
I exalt you, my God, the King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. I will honor your name forever and ever. Yahweh is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your glorious splendor and your wonderful works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring works and I will declare your greatness. They will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is good to everyone. His tender mercy rests on all He has made. You know, the Lord is good to all. He's good to everyone. And as we proclaim and as we sing about His goodness, this isn't something that we just talk about. But I know that if we, if we took time for testimonies, each one of you could talk about how God has been good to you. And you could probably keep us here all night with stories of how He's been good to you. I know He's been good to me. Not because I deserved it, but because He's so loving and kind, right? Father, we bless You right now for Your goodness to us. Thank You that You are good, that there's not even a hint, not even a small shade of a shadow of You turning from being good. And we recognize You as King tonight. Come on, someone tell Him He's my King. We recognize you as King and we honor you, Father. We ask that you, by your Spirit, would teach us tonight, that you reveal truth to us, that you open up our eyes and ears to be able to receive from you. Father, I ask you to help us receive from you. We don't want to leave here tonight, Father, missing what you were wanting to get across to us. And so I thank you that you help us, that your grace is here present, able to bring us into a place to receive the fullness that you have brought to us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And amen. Why don't you turn and love on someone, introduce yourself to somebody new? Who can say he is good? So, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the air. That's where I was going. That's where I was going. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the atmosphere around us in this nation right now and around the world. But there's something that we can remain confident and certain in. And that's that He is still King. He's going to stay King. He's not up for election anytime soon. And we can be confident in our standing with Him. And when we face times that look uncertain, we can stand with certainness, right? 
We can live in certain times as your, as your television program. And we are able to face these things and remain full of joy, yeah. remain full of confidence, remain full of victory. Yeah. And this is possible because greater is he that lives in you than he that lives out there in the world. You know, if David, when he faced Goliath, if he would have went out there and been like everybody else and looked at the problem rather than at the answer to the problem and at the promise, he would have been defeated just like the rest of them. Everyone else looked at the problem and the size of the problem, but David wasn't like that. Instead, David looked at the promise and compared the problem to the promise and was like, well, they don't compare. Come on, let's take him on. And he chose five smooth stones, just the right caliber. Right? And went out there and took care of business. And the Lord gave him victory. All right, hallelujah. So there is your, uh, yes, a word for this time that we're in right now. I'm going to read a few verses to you from 1 Samuel as well as Exodus. And last night I talked to you about asking the Lord, what would you have me do? with this ministry, with Kurt Owen Ministries. And in 1 Samuel, I, I mentioned this last night, but I want to read it tonight. King Saul had just been anointed and made king. Now, not everyone was thrilled with this idea, yet in 1 Samuel 10, in verse 26, so this had just taken place. It says, Saul also went to his home in Gibeah, and brave men whose hearts God had touched, someone say God had touched, touched. whose hearts God had touched went with Him. Now it wasn't just a whole bunch of people that thought it would be a good idea, but it was people that the Lord had touched. Let's go over and look at something similar to it in Exodus chapter 35. And this is where they are building the tabernacle. Moses has received the instructions from the Lord, what it's supposed to look like, all these things. He has the blueprints. And so now they are taking offerings and bringing in skilled workers to complete the task. And down in verse 20, it says, Then the entire Israelite community left Moses' presence. Everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord to construct the tent of meeting for every use and to make the holy garments. Both men and women came and all who had willing hearts. See, being willing is is key, isn't it? Verse 26, all the women whose hearts were moved, hearts that were moved, spun the goat hair by virtue of their skill. If you look down in verse 29, so the Israelites brought a free will offering to the Lord and all the men and women whose hearts prompted them to bring something for all the work of the Lord through Moses had commanded to be done. So here we see people that the Lord had put it in their heart. And so we should be no different today. I mean, after all, unlike them, we have the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of us. And so we are able to discern much more easily what the Lord would have us do because we just ask Him on the inside. Right? And, and He leads you. So, I told you last night, you know, ask the Lord what you should do, and then, uh, then do that. Uh, and I'll give you a, just a quick testimony of a time in my life where what the Lord did for us. We, we, had, we were living in Colorado at the time. We were pastoring a church out there. And it was just a new church plant. And we just had come out of a horrible, horrible year. Everything that could go wrong seemed to have gone wrong. And so we were financially um, at the bottom of the barrel. 
and um, we had a guest speaker from Scotland come in, and his name is, is Lavere Sofer, as many of you know him, and so he comes in to minister, and we had several nights of meetings, and we take offerings for him, and, and we're a small church, you know, 15 people, something like that, and um, so at the end of all of it, why, it, uh, Lavere was staying at our house, and so we were up until about one o'clock in the morning and talking. If you know Lavere, that's no surprise, right? And um, so he finally goes to bed, and so I go count the offering because in the morning I'm going to take him to the airport. And I, I don't remember the exact number. I think it was like two hundred and twenty-one dollars or two hundred and twenty-five dollars. And uh, yeah, two two something. And e- either way, it was um, like. For someone coming all the way from Scotland, I'm like, oh, man, come on, Lord. And, and Lavere doesn't ask anything from us, you know. He told us that we didn't even have to take an offering. And so I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, what, what can we do about this? And the Lord said to me, remember, whose hearts the Lord moves. And the Lord said to me, put the money in your pocket into the offering. And so I had... Um, you remember how many dollars? Four dollars in my pocket. And that was, I believed, all we had to our name. We didn't have any money in the bank account. I didn't have any work. So four dollars at that time would have bought a gallon of milk or maybe a dozen eggs or two dozen eggs. And so when the Lord tells me to put in this four dollars, I know it's not going to make a significant difference to Levere, four dollars. I know it's going to make a significant difference, well, uh, one meal to me, right? So I begin to have an argument with the Lord. No, I don't want to do that. And so we're having this back and forth, and he's like, yeah, I'll put it in the offering. And all of a sudden, I realize this is just really stupid, that I'm arguing over $4 over a few bites. And if the Lord has a plan, if he wants me to put this in, then apparently there's a reason for it. And so that's what I did. I put it in the offering. I prayed over it. And so now it was $229 or whatever it was. And uh, prayed over it. And in the morning, at 6 a.m. in the morning, I was supposed to be on a conference call with uh, Dale and uh, Ed Garner and Bob Hawk. And so I get up, I get onto the conference call, and the very first question to me that morning, and, and understand, when, when we didn't have anything, we made a covenant with each other that we weren't going to tell people, that we were just going to talk to the Lord about it. Because a lot of people get their needs met by sharing prayer requests. It's really not about the prayer request, it's about letting you know there's a need so you can meet my need. And we just made a covenant to keep our hearts pure, we're not going to do that, we're only going to talk to the Lord about our needs. And so we hadn't talked to anybody about this issue of not having, having grocery money. And so I, put, the, um, I put, put that money in, the next morning I'm on this conference call, and the very first question put to me that morning was, um, how much is your grocery budget? I said, well, if we actually had money to use in a budget, <laughs> it would be, I think at that time, was $300. It was for a month, he'd ask, a month's worth of groceries. And so um, he goes, okay, well, um, I, I, he says, I'm going to put it into the mail. And uh, Ed Garner did, I'm going to mail it to you. And, um, oh, that's awesome, thank you, you know, and... On the inside, I'm going, but we're going to be fasting for like four or five days before that gets here. 
but thank you, that's awesome, you know. And um, so then, uh, then it was about two o'clock in the afternoon of the same day, there's a knock on the door, and, and the Lord had put it in someone's heart to show up, and they gave us a $200 gift certificate to Walmart Supercenter. And um, so all of this to tell you that this, when the Lord puts something in your heart, there's a reason. The Lord will never ask you to sow a seed and not reap a crop on it. All right? He expects His laws to work. So this tonight, as you give in the offering, you know what, if you need an envelope, raise your hand. I didn't do that yet, I guess. Uh, hold your hand up and the ushers will bring an envelope to you. So tonight, as you give into the offering, I want you to do what the Lord tells you to do and then believe that there will be a harvest on what you're planting tonight. A harvest that is supernatural and abundant and more than you put in. Isn't that what the Word says? Pressed down, shaken together, good measure, men shall give unto your bosom. Alright, take a hold of your offering and let's pray. Father, I thank You that You are faithful, that You are good, that You're full of love to us. Lord, thank You that You that the laws you've put in place, the law of sowing and reaping works, but that you don't allow it to be just a natural law, but you make it supernatural. And that you bring divine help to our finances. That you enable us to accomplish the Great Commission. That you enable Kurt Owen Ministries and all those that have partnered with him, Father, to flourish in abundance. I thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone says, Amen. Well, the ushers can wait on the people, and the people will give and receive from the Lord. So are you expecting tonight? Yeah. What are you expecting? Truth. What else? Healing. Miracles. Revelation. Breakthrough. God's full love. You know, I've found that I typically receive what I expected to receive. So when you come and you say, yes, I'm expecting, what are you expecting? Right? So let's turn, let's turn our expectation on. And while they're finishing passing the baskets here, I want you to just set for a moment and, and really check on the inside, what am I expecting tonight?